1: But let's assume that you're right. What's to stop the next guy from using this new power that you gave the government to doing harm to their own people? Because that's what's happened throughout history.
0: Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guy, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Claire. Howdy duty folks. Glad to have you back here at the Lions of Liberty podcast, the show where I strive to advance the ideas of liberty through great conversations, whether it's with my fellow Lions of Liberty cohorts or with another great guest as I have today here in the 193rd episode of this program. And that means, folks, that you can find the show notes featuring everything we discuss in today's show over at lionsofliberty.com slash 193. Today's show is sponsored by Health Excellence Select, an incredible free market, affordable, legal alternative to your standard Obamacare corporatized insurance. To learn more, head over to lionsofliberty.com slash health. My guest today is a singer and rapper with the band Backwards. That's words with a Z, guys. He is also a pretty darn outspoken libertarian with his own YouTube channel and a flurry of political commentary on Facebook. He is Mr. Eric July. Eric, welcome to Lions of Liberty. Are you ready to roar with me?
1: Yes, sir. I'm very, very excited, man. And thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely, man, and as I mentioned before the show, uh, occasionally I ask our audience over at our private Facebook group, the Lions of Liberty Forum. Anybody listening can join just by plugging that in their uh, Facebook search bar, and we'll let you right in there. Uh, a couple people suggested your name. I looked you up, and here we are, just like that. It's magic. So everybody out there listening, you can influence this show. And uh, before we get into you know a lot of the stuff you post about now, a lot of the stuff you put videos out about, I want to kind of get to know you a little bit better. And uh, you know, I know you didn't always hold the beliefs that you have right now. Uh, the beliefs of individuals liberty and libertarianism, voluntarism, all sorts of different words for it. But can you first start off sort of telling us a bit about yourself and what your political beliefs were like before discovering the ideas of liberty? And then maybe get into sort of what led you down this current path you're on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, my story is very, very typical as far as, you know, I guess the belief that I had adopted early on in life, like a lot of uh, African-Americans is kind of we're, we're pretty status you know, vote Democrat, um, you know, support Democrats. They're the ones that want to care about you, yada, yada. So it was very, very typical. Grew up with that kind of um, alignment. I um, mean, even initially actually campaigning for uh, Barack Obama out in Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, that same year, actually, he got elected. I ended up picking up a Thomas Soul book. Um, I swear. well, well, I was at the University of Memphis at the time. And, you know, I got to kind of You know, reading a couple of economics books, taking like micro macroeconomics and I wanted to learn more about the subject. And I started I was still kind of stuck in my box and I was like, you know, hey, what are some black economists that I can look into? And um, I looked into Thomas Sowell and I read his basic economics book and it completely changed my life because everything that I had believed before, the way he's able to break it down from a, not just an economic standpoint, but from a socioeconomic standpoint and how government has influenced um, negatively influenced a lot of um, what we see today in our black communities. And it really just changed my life. So, you know, one thing led to another. I didn't kind of have a word for what I was, but the more I started reading up on Econ in general, the great Walter Williams, Summer Soul, and that led me to, you know, obviously i more so aligned with Chicagoism, but I um, just got to get into Austrian economics. So started learning about, you know, the Mises, the Hayek's, uh, Rothbard, uh, and that, you know, turned me into a full blown ANCAP because the more I started learning more about econ economics, the more I started hating government. So uh, most definitely I would say econ was one of these subjects um, that really led me to. Um, individual liberty and really just Thomas Sowell is the guy that I give credit to um, and the guy that really just kind of uh, reading uh, basic economics that book you know as well as some others but basic economics is the one I like to point to and it really just changed my life and uh, led me down this path for sure.
0: Do you remember specifically like any major revelation you had reading Thomas Sowell's work where you just had to put the book down for a second and say oh my god hold on this goes against everything I ever <laughs> believed everything I ever thought." is there anything that stands out to you?
1: Absolutely. I mean, in his first couple of uh, chapters in that book, he actually talks about like scarcity. And that's something when I was taking economics, I really didn't, uh, you know, or just learning about it, I guess, definitely in high school. I really didn't learn about it. But what you do learn about, you didn't learn about really scarcity and how that is probably the most important thing. And when you look at economics and how, you know, scarcity, it really doesn't matter what it is scarcity is always going to exist there will never be enough resources for everybody but also in that book he mentions how i mean this is the part where you know he starts kind of breaking things down and he mentions how there are countries uh that don't have a lot of natural resources but they do a great job and that's basically and that's really what economics is all about studying the allocation of uh say a resource and he uses So uh, spots like, you know, Venezuela, who has a lot of uh, natural resources, but from an economic standpoint and a standard standard of living isn't higher than a place like maybe Japan, which doesn't have a lot of, uh, you know, natural resources. So just breaking that down, it just really got to, you know, it kind of changed my My life, and then when you see things that the government's doing, like minimum wage, which is an artificial price on labor, and rather than I used to look at it, a lot of people, definitely a lot of young folks, they look at it as, all right, well, we just set the minimum price, everybody's going to be, you know, we're going to boost people into prosperity. But you know, Thomas Sowell explains how all it is is just an artificial. price on labor. It doesn't help in any way, form, uh, shape, or fashion. So when he just explains things um, rather than a lot of people, definitely the politicians, they approach it from an emotional standpoint. And another thing he mentions early on in the book is that your emotions has absolutely nothing to do with, uh, well, little to do, I guess, if you want to consider, I guess, the emotional aspect and people wanting to uh, better themselves. Um, and approach and That's really more Austrianism. But uh, most definitely, emotions really have little to do with economics. Uh, so he did a great job in the first initial chapters and in really explaining that for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, emotions have little to do with reality, I guess. And the sad part is, it seems that At least most of the people my age, most of the people I interact with seem to make their political decisions largely on emotions and not so much on reason or logic or the kind of things we probably should be considering when we're making laws that will eventually result in physical violence on someone if they're all enforced to their fullest degree. And now I know this is kind of a big subject you talk about a lot because one of your biggest targets out there uh, in your videos, in your social media posts, is Bernie Sanders supporters. So <laughs> what is it specifically about Bernie Sanders, <laughs> about his supporters, that kind of irks you, I guess, more so than, say, Hillary supporters or Donald Trump supporters? why so I'm, I'm sure you have your own thoughts on as well. you aren't nearly as big of a target. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm pretty open
1: about how Bernie Sanders supporters – uh, annoy me more than any other uh, group of supporters. And it's mainly because uh, I, you know, I'm a young fella and I'm not too far removed from college and a lot of people my age and uh, definitely me being a front man of a metal band, uh, which any musical genre really leans hardcore to the left. And these guys really support Bernie Sanders. And But the way, you know, when he, he declared and how everything, and I mean, I, I really never saw anybody breaking down, um, you know, his approaches, uh, proposals rather, from a economic standpoint, from a rational standpoint, from a liberty state. was all about emotions. And it just really, really, really annoys me. And these guys, what annoys me more than anything, and you just touched on this fact, when anything that the government implements, whether you disagree with it or anything of that nature, you're going to be met with physical force. And these guys, the Bernie Sanders supporters, uh, go around kind of making it seem as if they're humanitarians. And it's, it's just so fraught because, again, they advocate for more laws, advocate for expansion of his entire platform is the expansion of government advocate for more uh, taxation. And again, the minute it is, there's no opt out forms. Of course, the minute you disagree, uh, you will be met with uh, physical force or, you know, when it comes from a, Tax uh, standpoint, they will confiscate your, you know, private property, whether it be your money or your physical belongings. And if you resist, you'll be met with physical force that could, you know, indeed result in your death. We saw that with uh, Eric Gardner. I hate to pull that out the bag, but he got choked out for, uh, you know, selling untaxed cigarettes. And this is how taxation works. This is how laws work within government. And for these guys to go around acting as if they're humanitarians, they care about the poor and all that, they care about everybody, yet uh, want to uh, really. Uh, expand coercion and threats of violence on peaceful people. I just can't let them get away with that.
0: It's interesting you bring up the Eric Garner situation because in this context, Bernie Sanders actually has a commercial from his campaign referencing the Eric Garner incident as a way to kind of highlight police brutality. And it is something he talks about a lot is police brutality. But I mean what we kind of ignore there or what he seems to ignore there is that these laws, the regulatory environment, the stuff that he promotes a lot. I mean, that's what initiates the violence that goes along with police brutality. If there's no law to enforce, then a lot of the time, I mean, what is there for police to be brutal about? Now, I'm sure I know for a fact that police often go outside the boundaries of the law. But in this case, they really were just enforcing the law on Eric Garner. Most people just don't want to see it that way. And that's literally what it was.
1: Right. Absolutely. No, that's exactly what it was. I mean, and then you bring up a good point. I mean, without these laws, you know, yes, there are going to be cops that will go out of their way to do things that are, you know, kind of under the table. But Again, we look at it, most of our situations, um, I would say the overwhelming majority of the situations, definitely when we talk about African-American and, uh, you know, criminal justice system, these are, are whether we think, whether it's true or not is uh, irrelevant, but a lot of uh, black activists and, then, you know, people like Bernie Sanders as well want to make it seem as if, you know, black people are more subject to get beat up and uh, treated unfairly and by by the law but again these guys when we look at pretty much all of these cases these guys are coming in contact with the law or breaking uh, usually yes they are victimless but they're i guess breaking laws or coming in contact with the laws and the more you advocate for expansion of government and more laws this is the more times in which you are going to come in contact you know with law enforcers so again this is my thing about Bernie Sanders even on things that he- you think he gets it right when he says, all right, this is an issue. His uh, proposals or his, I guess, his solutions are diametrically opposed to fixing them. He thinks he could just, we know, we just give power to the government and that's just going to fix it. And it's like, no, that actually is what caused the issue.
0: Yeah, Eric. And, you know, a part of me really wants to like Bernie Sanders for a lot of reasons. The fact that, you know, the uh, Democratic establishment doesn't really want him to win. And I certainly don't like Hillary. And so I'd love to see her <laughs> going down in flames um, in a sense. <laughs> At the same time, you know, I I think a lot of Bernie Sanders supporters might even have legitimate grievances with the system, even if they can't really necessarily pinpoint what those grievances are. And I think right. to many people, he's sort of seen as the embodiment, kind of the, the flip side of Donald Trump. He's mm-hmm. even if they don't, haven't thought out his solutions too well, he seems to be the embodiment of the left's anger at, at I guess their party at the system, right. when they see themselves in a ton of student debt, when people see themselves getting out of college, when they were told, Hey, all you got to do is go to college, get a job, you'll be good to go. And they realize that's just not how the system is set up. So, I mean, do you think there is any legitimacy to why someone would become a Bernie Sanders supporter, I guess?
1: Well, yes, absolutely. Uh, there's legitimacy. I mean, they see a lot of um problems, you know, whether it be with, I guess, income inequality, which again, I don't think that's a problem nearly to any kind of degree, but most definitely they do. Um you look at uh, I guess they think corporations are influencing uh, I guess government, things like that. These are things that I guess you can say they're legitimate. But again, the solution that they propose is they just get it wrong. And then there are other subject matters in which these Bernie Sanders supporters do get it completely wrong when they talk about things like income inequality and all of these trigger words and they mean absolutely nothing and pay equity for women and it's things that have never been achieved in any human affair there's no human affair throughout the history of history in which every demographic every ethnicity every uh, body were equally uh, represented and they were uh, treated fairly there's no deal that has ever existed no situation that you can point to throughout history that's ever existed in that matter. But these are things they are pushing for, and they will want to use, again, the initiation and the, I guess it's really extortion, uh, coercion, on peaceful people to accomplish this. So even when I see things that, yeah, they get it right, it's like, well, you're talking about initiating violence on people. Ultimately, you really don't have the moral high ground at all. So when you get it right, you get it wrong.
0: So you think really you know while their emotion might be in the right place like we discussed emotion only gets you so far it only gets right. you to an emotional state but when it actually comes to the addressing the actual problems as it is they just aren't they're going in a kind of a completely wrong direction which is kind of how i see the trump supporters i mean i understand a lot of the anger and a lot of the stuff that right. donald trump is playing on but if you actually break down his position then you go well this sounds even worse in, in so many ways so <laughs> right. it's really hard for someone rational to uh, partake in the current political debate i'm very guilty of doing it cuz we do a, a week weekly roundtable where we watch these things and dissect them or at least try to poke a little fun at them as well. But um, another point about Bernie Sanders supporters, because he talks about this a lot and it kind of plays into what we're talking about here, you know, he brings up private prisons a lot and he brings up Mm -hmm. the perverse incentives with having these private prisons that, you know, they're incentivized to lobby the government, lobby state governments for more prisoners, which of course they need more strict enforcement of drug laws to get. And I think there's some legitimacy to that. But at the same time, in that conversation, Bernie never gets to, so therefore, end the war on drugs. He (laughs) never ends the statement with that. And to me, that's the obvious way to go, because even if you take away the private prisons and replace them with, you know, what some states have where it's all a quote unquote public system, you still got people lobbying. You still got judges lobbying. You still got prosecutors lobbying. You still got police lobbies that need those prisons filled for the same exact reasons that those private prisons need them filled.
1: Absolutely. I mean, again, that's the thing that annoys me so much, because. You hear him talking and he'll be going one way and then he just goes completely on the deep end and gets it completely wrong. And this is really the difference between a guy like Bernie Sanders and a guy like uh, Ron Paul, who even in a lot of cases they might see eye to eye as far as what the problem is. But as far as, um, I guess, fixing it, Ron Paul is more so, hey, we need to get the government out of the way, you know, legalize, whether it be legalizing drugs to end the uh draw of war, whether it be um, you know, abolishing of income tax to put money back in the hands of uh, people, these are things that, you know, and again, when you look at some of the issues, I guess you can speak towards, they might see eye to eye, but with the solutions, they're just completely on the opposite is And this is where Bernie Sanders gets it wrong. And the, the way I like to explain it to people is when you power, a uh, government is the monopoly of violence, it's a monopoly on force. Um, And when you empower this entity, which really is illegitimate when you think about it, because they have nothing but a bunch of delegated individuals that have rights that other individuals just simply uh, don't have. But when you empower these guys, you know, even if you say, all right, well, let's assume that Bernie Sanders gets what he wants. And he, you know, $15 minimum wage and free health care, free college. All right. Well, you got the government stronger. Obviously, when you look at healthcare, they're going to be if they're the ones that are going to be uh, fronting this bill for everybody, they're going to be the ones making the rules for it. So what is to stop the next person coming in uh, next group of people from coming in? and using that power that maybe let's assume that he uses it for good, which, again, from an economic standpoint, it makes no sense. It's not how it's going to work. But let's assume that his fantasy land economics is going to work. And let's say it works as he wants it to. And, uh, you know, cost of everybody's standard of living rises with the raising of minimum wage and the free health care and all of this. What is to stop the next group of individuals that have these delegated rights from using this to do bad? And this is what happens uh, throughout history in which uh, the person before sets precedents and maybe the government never had this rule before, or they never had this, I guess, right, which again, it's all illegitimate, but they never had this power to do said deal, and the next guy comes on and he uses that same power that he once had, and he completely annihilates millions of people, leads to sort be of famine, starving, this is um, historically, again, this is just fact, this is what has happened historically. There's nothing stopping them from doing it, and this is what I tried to get Bernie Sanders supporters to understand. Again, they are incorrect, don't get it twisted, they're incorrect in their assessments when it comes from the economics, but let's assume that you're right, what's to stop the next guy from using this new power that you you gave the government to doing harm to their own people, because that's what's happened throughout history.
0: Well, that's exactly right. And I think we can kind of evidence that by something that Bernie mentioned recently in a debate or that was brought up in a debate. And look, Bernie Sanders may very well be a, a nice guy. He might be well-intentioned right. with all of his suggestions and everything he promotes. As, as far as I can tell, he's he's held these beliefs all of his life. So I have no reason to believe he's being anything but genuine. But I mean, the fact that he praised Fidel Castro, not only 30 years ago, which some people will say, oh, that was forever ago. In this past week's debate, he (laughs) reinforced that, you know, that he agreed with a lot of what Castro did and how you can be that much disconnected from reality. I have no idea. I know people that have been to Cuba. I know people that have fled Cuba. Trust me. It's no picnic. It's not a place people want to be when people are fleeing from a place on rafts made out of wood and risking literally getting eaten by sharks to escape somewhere. We might want to rethink some of the policies. And the fact that he's that disconnected to still support Fidel Castro with all this evidence out there. It's just, it's mind blowing.
1: Absolutely. It is absolutely crazy. And again, that's a great, that's a great point that you mentioned. I mean, people fleeing this country from the, you know, policies and things that uh, he implemented. But again, this has historically been the case. I don't think, you know, there's been too many, whether it be dictators or socialist governments, when you think about the USSR, uh, whether even Hitler, these guys campaign having great intentions great intentions. They saying, well, we're going to help the people um, and all of that. And again, it's ended up historically in the annihilation of millions of people, the deaths of many of people, and this is what has historically happened. And I thought the, the point to learning history was to avoid it from happening again. <laughs> but again, uh, when you have guys like him, they think, oh, this time it's going to work. This time it's going to work. And it's like, even though history has proved that, the complete opposite, that it never works. Um, and if it does, it only works temporarily. And then in the- next guy comes along and again he uses it i mean this is what's the danger of government and people are so and it's kind of to touch on this point it's kind of off subject but people are so wanting to you know give government or they say that less government rather is so dangerous people are gonna run wild and uh, corporations this corporations that and i'm like do you not think that the whether it be these powerful people rich people do you not think they're smart enough to utilize things such as government uh, whether it be through lobbying, whether it be through bribing people, uh, politicians to implement laws that are gonna greatly benefit their business and greatly hurt the smaller businesses. I guess they think that you know government or corporations aren't smart enough to implement, and honestly, because they're where they're at, And there's so many studies done on how the economic powerhouses are the ones that influence, truly influence people's vote really doesn't matter. Really, the economic powerhouses are the ones that economic elites, is what they call them, um, are the ones that influence public policy. So why would you want to expand the entity that allows them, literally allows them to really kind of artificially orchestrate their growth? It's beyond me. And I really don't think that a lot of people think that critically about subject matters as such.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I said, people don't tend to think about the economics of the things. And myself, I don't like the. Focus on economics per se, because to me the reason I support liberty isn't really about uh, what some graph or chart told me. Right. It's, be- it's because of the morals of it, and right. to me it's just it's simply wrong to uh, you know use government simply to get things you want. And we can have the whole debate about ancapism or anarcho capitalism right. versus minarchism and all that stuff. But to me, if if government is to exist, if it is to be here, it should do it the only one thing, and that is protect individual rights. That is to protect our property. Absolutely, it's not. Just to, you know, get what you want from everybody else. And the problem is now we have so much inequality and that's for a lot of reasons. I mean, we have. Many industries that are completely cartelized, the medical industry being probably the biggest one. And and it's no shock that that's the area where people are calling for the government to help, to come in to save the day without quite making the connection that it's it's that these same organizations that have created the situation that we're in. So I'm not sure what the solution is to this disconnect other than to continue to talk about it. And uh, right. you know, that's why I do this show. And that's why I have you on here today. Right. And Eric, in order to keep this show going, I've got some bills to pay. i got to keep the lights on here at the Lions of Liberty Studios. So I want to take a quick minute to give a shout out to our great sponsors over at Health Excellence Select. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I purchased my own health insurance. So personally, I was hit by some serious sticker shock after the implementation of Obamacare. My deductible more than doubled, my premium shot through the roof, and I'm just sitting here thinking, what am I actually getting for this? I'm a healthy guy. I don't go to the doctor. I really hadn't even been to a doctor for any major medical problem in years and years and years. So why would I spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars a month and then have to spend six or $8,000 in deductibles before I even see a dime of coverage for my health care? It just didn't add up and it doesn't add up. It doesn't add up for most of us. But luckily, there is an alternative out there now. It's an alternative known as health sharing. And health sharing is simply awesome. (laughs) I've gotten paid for every single medical bill I've submitted in full, 100%. This is not a joke. After I spend $500, I get everything else back. And our friends at Health Excellence Select have kicked it up a notch. They'll do all the work for you. They will find your doctors. They will set appointments for you. They'll provide you 24-7 access to doctors via Skype so you don't even need to go to a doctor or pay a dime half the time. Health Excellence Select is truly revolutionary and you guys are doing yourselves a disservice if you do not look into this amazing alternative to your standard, corporatized Obamacare health insurance. You can learn more by heading over to lionsofliberty.com slash health or if you're ready to sign up, you can directly call my representative, Jeff Cantor at 440-283-6849. Tell him Mark from Lions of Liberty sent you. Now, Eric, I just want to play a little uh, kind of hypothetical here. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this is a conversation that's been going on a lot with uh, people in our Facebook group and, uh, you know, some of my fellow Lions of Liberty cohorts. And the fact is, the reality of life is that in 2016, one of a few people is going to be president. It's probably mm-hmm. going to be Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton, maybe mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders, maybe Ted Cruz. Um, mm-hmm. So... Considering all these scenarios, I know you, you focus on Bernie Sanders so much, but a lot of these other people, their policies and their even personalities could be equally, if not more, dangerous. So, Absolutely. Who do you think would be, I guess, the worst case scenario? Do you think that Bernie's the actual worst case scenario? Or-
1: I think Bernie is, I mean, hands down. and This is because his entire platform is... I don't care. I really don't. I'm not one of those guys that looks at what a guy says and, you know, becomes Lord. And even if he gets it right that this is a problem, I have to look at your solutions. And when I look at his solutions, he's completely wrong on just about every single account. So I think he's the absolutely worst guy that we could elect.
0: Is that because it would sort of give, I guess, popular legitimacy to his ideas? Even if he might have trouble accomplishing a lot of them Absolutely. politically, he'd be able to point and say, well, I have the support of the American people. That's what they want. This is what right. we should do.
1: Absolutely. That and alongside, again, once these start, let's say he is successful in doing one or two of those things. I do not want government claiming monopoly on healthcare. I think that is the worst thing that could happen. I mean, they're already probably 75 percent there, uh, but I, that's I don't want that. You know what I mean? So but again, you have to look at other presidents or presidential candidates. And it's funny that the supporters of these two guys, whether it be Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders, they're at each other's neck all the time. But a lot of them share literally the same exact beliefs. <laughs> right. Trump's just a lot more, you know, arrogant and loud, you know, about, about saying it. But when you look at things such as, you know, a universal health care, uh, Trump's on record saying everybody's going to be taken care of. So it's literally the same thing. When you look at their approach to like trade both of them hate China, and they're always talking about, oh, well, they take jobs, and people are sending jobs overseas uh, because of their uh, labor laws and, and all of this, and they're stealing American jobs. This, again, these are policies on which they literally have the... Yeah, uh, he wants to build a wall. But also, you know, Bernie Sanders called open border borders, one of those things, what do you call it, a coach brothers scheme? And he was like, yeah, people would like for people to come over here and work for next to nothing. And when you think, again, that sounds like something that Donald Trump would say, but that's what Bernie's saying. So you look at a lot of these issues, they see literally eye to eye and there's not that much different. So when I think the worst, and this is, I hate to say this, but I do, and I'm not saying this just because I'm from Texas, but I am by in no means fond of Ted Cruz. But I think that, I mean, from the four that we have to choose from, I think that he would be the best worst guy, you know, right. because all of them in my um, honest opinions suck. But I, I'm not one of those guys to say, oh, well, your status, they all suck it's equally. No, that is not the case. I believe that these guys have different intentions and even the supporters of these guys have different intentions. The supporter of a guy like Ted Cruz has different intentions from those of a guy like uh, Bernie Sanders, a supporter of Bernie Sanders. I would say Ted Cruz is the guy that, you know, if, well, I mean, honestly, if you held a gun to my head, I'd probably take the bullet rather than uh, having to vote for right. one of them. But, uh, if, uh, you know, I guess if I had to say just for the sake of the conversation, um, I would say Ted Cruz because he does get it right. I hate that he didn't. He claims that he wants to audit the Fed, but, he, you know, he did miss Rand's vote on it. or He missed a vote on Rand's bill. But uh, he does say that he wants to boss the IRS. He wants to uh, audit the Fed and all these uh, things, uh, whether it be true or not. That's uh, a different conversation. But even from a taxation standpoint, I believe, uh, looking at his tax plans, him and, and Donald is well, fairly low compared to the other uh, candidates. So when you look at things, I think I always approach things from an economic standpoint. And I think from an economic standpoint, from a liberty standpoint, if you're looking at the worst of the evils, and I don't believe in necessarily voting for the worst of the evils. I do not believe in that. Uh, the best of the two evils. But I would say Ted Cruz is uh, probably the guy.
0: Yeah, it's like, man, part of me wants to sort of like Ted Cruz because he does play up to that liberty voter. And it's Mm -hmm. at least someone is paying lip service to it in some way at this point. He is very legitimately good on the Second Amendment. So that's something that I do like. And then as soon as I think, ah, maybe not so bad, he has to go and say, well, I kind of want to see if uh, sand will glow in the Middle East. And I want to carpet bomb bomb people. And then I go, (laughs) ah, God, I I can't do it. I can't support somebody that says these things. I just can't.
1: I'm right there with you. I mean, it states that he gets it completely wrong. But again, I always look at voting records and deals like that. And um, at the same deal, I really Bernie Sanders, he does not have a voting record that uh, shows me that he would do the opposite of what a Ted Cruz would do or Donald Trump. Um, or anything like that, because I'm looking at on every which end. Uh, yeah, against the Iraq war, he wants to say, oh, I, I was against it. But then you voted to fund it almost at every end. You voted to fund other war efforts, literally. So uh, he doesn't show me that he would, you know, not make the sand glow. So
0: Right. He might not say the sand will glow, but you know, <laughs> if he's send those same bombs over, it's the same idea.
1: Right, exactly. So, um, again, it's a tough situation, definitely for the Liberty voter and just a person that stands up for liberty in general, whether it be a guy that votes or not votes. It's a tough election uh, right now. I mean, it sucks to see, you know, three years in a row we had a liberty, more minded liberty candidate in 2008 and 2012. We had Ron Paul. And then, you know, recently we had Rand. And it sucks to see these guys lose. Uh, But I do encourage liberty voters and guy supporters of liberty that if you are going to participate in the political process, I believe it's, it's more wise for us to attack it from a local and even a, maybe even a, a national congressional standpoint um, and getting guys. You got like guys like Massey and uh, Rand Paul and all these sort of supposedly libertarian Republican guys that are in there. That even- supposedly
0: in there makes me think you might be a little bit skeptical about some of these guys. Well, I'm not necessarily skeptical.
1: I, I don't want to say I'm skeptical, but I just can't full blow say that, all right, this guy is a libertarian. But definitely, you know, a lot of these guys haven't necessarily shown that they aren't. Uh, when you look at some of their, um, you know, voting records and things of that nature, again, there's no perfect, I don't think there's no perfect libertarian in existence that runs for office. So, yes, there's going to be some things in which you'll say, well, he got it wrong. At Massie got it wrong. Rand Paul got it wrong definitely early on in his uh, congressional career. But uh, most definitely. I do like the fact that we do have guys, that kind of representation in the House, that type of representation in the Senate. Even though I am a full-blown cap, I would love for the government to be abolished in its entirety. I'm more of a practical one. I will always support a guy like Ron Paul who wants to uh, come in and has the every intention of scaling back on government. And I think if we uh, definitely focus more so at the local level, those guys, if you do participate in the political process, you can help getting those guys I'm elected um, who have every intentions of putting money uh, back in your pockets. I do think that we'll, as libertarians, we're going to do a lot more justice to ourselves and our movement by kind of focusing on that rather than immediately trying to get uh, the libertarians a libertarian and, and a presidential, uh, I guess, seat. It's just you know, and the
0: old just not going to happen. Well, sure. I mean, I don't know if you saw, there was recently a um, libertarian debate that was live streamed from uh, Missouri. And there's uh, one of the guys running, Daryl Perry. He's an anarchist and uh, that's all well and good. But, you know, his major platform is that he wants to abolish the United States government, which right. he declared to be the largest terrorist organization in the world. Now, I'm not saying there might not be legitimate arguments to that um, in some way, shape or form, but as a campaign platform... I'm sorry, it's not going to go over well. It's just not. <laughs> right. No, no, you, you're
1: completely right. And that's why I, there's a lot of, you know, I guess the libertarian elitists who knocked around Paul a lot was because he just wasn't too, wasn't libertarian enough. And I'm like, you guys have to consider, man, if we are to advance this movement, uh, definitely by way of participating in a political arena, we have to be more practical. But yeah, I, I do believe that there's room to say things like abolish uh, you want to abolish this program to abolish this apartment. You do not have to completely abandon your principles to, you know, be reasonable with it. I believe that you don't. Uh, but again, I, my thing is that I don't, and this is uh really, if I could get one message out there to my fellow libertarians that uh, the infighting is it does us in the door because we get situations like around Paul and rather than getting behind him, we say he's not libertarian enough or he's a statist or he's a this and he's a that these guys are talking as if you know libertarians are the majority we're not the majority in any way shape or form there are hardcore statists who have every intention of expanding the government so which is why i don't even like to engage even though i'm an cap i don't like to engage in conversations with monarchists who try to bait me into that conversation i will tell you straight up like i'm not about to have that conversation we'll have that conversation when the government scales back we can have that conversation, but until then, we have the enemy. We aren't enemies, you know. And Captain the Minarchist, we aren't enemies. Uh, the enemy is the guys that are, are openly getting out there and wanting to expand government, start intruding on people's uh, liberties. Those guys are the enemy more so than the uh, you know the Minarchists or the Libertarians that are conservative leaning uh, Libertarians, uh, or vice versa, Libertarian leaning conservatives. I just don't see those guys as the enemy, and I go out of my way to make it a point to say, "Hey, the infighting gets us absolutely nowhere." And even funny, uh, funnier. I mean, like you look at guys like, well, like the Austrian economists that are very prominent in like uh, anarcho-capitalist uh, uh, movements. Uh, Rothbard. Uh, he encouraged people. He said honestly. He said that the only way that we're going to really influence this uh, from a major scale is to participate in the political process and be be reasonable with it. So uh, it's funny that a lot of these guys who are volunteers or claim to be volunteers are calling people status and the guys that they absolutely praise, whether it be Mises well, Mises actually called, A called an anarchist, you know, a derogatory name. But either Rothbard, he had said that, you know, participating in the political arena is just what we have to do. So um, I'm always uh, about being practical rather than being irrational.
0: Now, Eric, one more thing I want to touch on before we uh, wind things down here is, an area I know you're extremely passionate about, and that is your music. And uh, first of all, you can feel free to tell people about your band, about Backwards, but also I'm really curious about how your political beliefs, if at all, have influenced your music, at your lyrics, and all that stuff.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, again, I was in a band, called fire from the guys on the Rise Records uh, right now. And, um, it was a fallout between uh, me and those guys a lot. Um, some of that, not, not a lot, but some of that did have the direction we were going And it was a great situation in which, uh, you know, when I left and formed backwards with the other individuals, um, it did allow me to, once the first song kind of didn't really touch a lot on libertarianism, but by the third single, we were talking about, you know, politics and more so libertarianism and uh, things of that nature. So my thing, and I feel like with libertarians, what we lose is that we do now, we have not infiltrated entertainment. We have a lot of intellectuals, um, whether it be... No matter what, whether it be minorities or uh, anarcho-capitalists, whether it be Lou Rockwell, um, you know, Ron Paul, guys that will get in in suits and ties um, and really speak very intellectually about anarcho-capitalists. And maybe that's for a guy like me. I'll find that attractive. But for a lot of guys, they're not going to sit down and read basic economics by Thomas Sowell. They're not going to sit and read Anatomy of State by Rothbard. They're not going to read this.
0: Everybody's not going to be a nerd, so we can't just talk to the nerds. Right, exactly. <laughs> so my thing is,
1: I was looking, you know, just thinking, I remember about the third single, like, where's the libertarian representation? I know in metal, which is just really not there. But where's the libertarian representation in uh, music and entertainment? and Which is really just not there. I mean, we have a couple of guys that sprout up. But we really don't have any representation, so I feel like I'm almost obligated to use this craft that I have in making music to, you know, basically spread the, you know, kind of the liberty movement. So what you hear in your lyrics, the lyrics is absolutely no different than what I would say um, in a video, in a vlog, or doing an interview with Fox News or The Blaze or anything like that. It's just
0: packaged in a different way.
1: Yeah, exactly. So my uh, deal, we do have a song that'll be coming out. I'm very, very excited for. I think it's going to be huge for our movement which it features a a you know, huge vocalist. Um, I don't wanna quite spill the beans quite yet. And it's full blown. It's no sugar coat, no Metaphors, it's libertarianism to the core, and I'm very excited to get this stuff out. So that's my thing, and I do feel obligated. And it's because I feel like if we can, that's what the left did very well, in which they infiltrated uh, entertainment. And this is why you see a lot of young people leaning left, it's because they are so heavily influenced by entertainment, and their entertainers are your hardcore left leaning status. So I feel a a sense of obligation to use the craft that God gave me to really spread this movement, not just doing vlogs, not just doing interviews, not just doing podcasts, but also within my music.
0: All right. Well, yeah, I mean, if the media is brainwashing people and we recognize that there's two responses we can have, we can scream about it and create memes about it and pat each other on the back. Or we can try to become that media and try to influence them as well. And I'm glad that you are are taking that tack to it. Uh, Eric, before I let you go, feel free to plug anything else you got going on. Let other people know how they can find you on social media, find your YouTube channel, find out more about Backwards and anything else you want to plug. Well,
1: again, Backwards, we we're on everything twitter uh, backwards music i believe it's a twitter i believe that's also the facebook backwards that's b-a-c-k-w-o-r-d-z uh, music uh, which is the facebook so we're pretty much everywhere uh youtube we have several music videos there you can find me at eric d july that's usually my tag for everything uh, my public facebook is facebook.com slash eric july text so you can follow me Um, and hear some of the commentary and things like that so we're everywhere Um, I encourage you guys to go check it out not necessarily uh just for myself but um really it's all about spreading uh this movement of liberty and um I'm doing it in every way we can I really encourage I love what you're doing I love what everybody's out there doing if you have a craft of any sort I encourage whether it be uh drawing I don't care music I'm you know Commentating. If you have a, you're a great public speaker. No matter what your craft is, I, if you are uh, liberty minded, I do encourage you to uh, try to utilize it because we can honestly use uh, all the help we can get.
0: Well, Eric July, those are great words to end on. So, thanks for coming on the show. I really do appreciate getting to know you a little bit better. And keep on roaring, man. I appreciate you, brother. Have me on at any time. Thanks, man. Take care. You too. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed my discussion today with Mister Eric July clearly a very outspoken guy, and that's clearly why a lot of my listeners out there recommended that I get him on the show. He's got a following developing on YouTube, both through his music as well as through his commentary. And I think in order to really influence people, we have to, well, first we got to get our ideas straight. That's step one. That's why I focus on this show. But hopefully, once we get our ideas a little more straight... Then we can start infiltrating the media in many different ways, whether it's through podcasts like I'm doing, whether it's through with lyrics in your work like Eric is doing with his group Backwards. So please do check out Backwards. I've checked out some of their stuff, and it's pretty darn cool. Now, guys, I mentioned earlier how Eric got on the show, and that's because every once in a while, I like to ask my listeners for suggestions for future guests because I do this show for you. You know, I can sit around in my house all day by myself and think about the ideas of liberty and talk to my friends on on our email chains. That's where my liberty ideas used to be confined to. But now we're trying to expand this conversation and get other people involved. That's why we've got a podcast. That's why we've got lionsofliberty.com. Be sure to come and visit. And that's why we also now have the Lions of Liberty Forum. It's our private Facebook group. Totally free to get in. We just want to have an area where we can all come in and discuss these issues without worrying about what grandpa or grandma might see on our Facebook. If grandma and grandpa are on Facebook, maybe not everybody's are. Mine aren't, but you know, whatever. Point being, it's a place where you can interact with us, other past guests of the show, a lot of my Lions of Liberty cohorts, a lot of the guys you've heard on our weekly roundtables, or I'm calling them weekly because they happen lately. They won't necessarily always be weekly, but we're keeping them going for now as long as there continue to be more debates, more news and politics, and more stuff that gives us a reason to sit around and chat. So if you want to join the conversation, do head over to our private group, the Lions of Liberty Forum. Just type that in your little search bar on Facebook, and we'll get you right in there to join the conversation. We, of course, are going to have another roundtable this coming Monday. But before that, don't forget, if you subscribe to your Lions of Liberty feed, you also get John Odermatt's weekly look at the broken criminal justice system known as Felony Friday, a new episode every single Friday. So you gotta subscribe to Lions of Liberty, whether it's on iTunes, whether it's on Stitcher Radio, because you don't want to miss anything. We're pumping out three shows a week, guys. There's a lot going on here. And if you like what we have going on here. There's a lot of ways you can help us. First and foremost is going over to iTunes, going over to Stitcher, hitting that subscribe button, but don't stop there. We also need you to go and leave us a great review and a five-star rating. This is the kind of stuff that really helps boost our show in the rankings. It helps with iTunes' crazy algorithm of how they know which shows to promote to more people. And of course, our goal is to expand this conversation, get more people talking about the ideas of liberty. So that's one way you can help. Another way, of course, is to share this thing. You can share it on your social media, on your Facebook, on your Twitter. Email it to mom and dad. Whatever you got to do to get the word out, we appreciate the help. Until then, folks, until next time, live long and live free.